Welcome to Free Fall RC Podcast. Fourteen minutes in on the call recorder screen. Ah, I've only got two. Are we recording? Yeah, I'm recording over here. I'm recording. Okay. Welcome to another episode of Free Fall RC Podcast. I'm Steve, and here with me is Kevin. Hey, guys. We have Fred. Hey. And we have first time on the show, uh, Ken Weeks. Hey, everybody. This is episode number 80, part 107 with Ken Weeks. Nice. So let's get to know Ken first. Let's see here. So how long have you been in the hobby, Ken? Uh, well, uh, I've actually, uh, I've been real intense the last, uh, two to three years. Uh, I really got into it. Um, I did it when I was younger, uh, when I was mm-hmm. 15, I guess in the late nineties. Um, I had a little, a small Traxxas RC truck and I had mounted, um, a camera on the, on the front end of it and drove it around and, and messed with the neighborhood dogs. And, and it was a lot of fun, but uh, I hadn't actually done anything uh, uh, flying or aircraft until the last couple of years, and we is my experience has been mostly with multi rotors. Uh, honestly, I don't have a single bit, and I am afraid for even saying this, but I don't have a lick of helicopter experience. So I'm uh, I'm actually kind of excited to be uh, here talking to you guys because I'm I would like to get into it. I think it's really really neat, really interesting. Nice. I mean, if you can hover a drone that doesn't that's in, that's in acro mode, then you're basically hovering a helicopter. Yeah, I was gonna say the same thing. Yep, you're almost there. We're talking about that before the show. Yeah. So, uh, so Ken, you know Fred, right? I do. I do. Yes. How unfortunate <laughs> of you. We're all in the same boat now. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, how did you meet? Uh, how did you meet Fred? Uh, well, honestly, it was RCs that brought us together. Uh, (laughs) it was, it was, uh, I had been selling some planes, some RC planes, some fixed wing that I have. And, uh, he came by, he was interested in a couple and, uh, we made a deal and, and we've been talking ever since. And it's, it's neat because, um, where Fred and I are is in the panhandle of Florida. And, uh, there is a, there's a growing community here of, of RC uh, enthusiasts uh, of all kinds, and uh, but I tell you, when I first started out, there wasn't much. <laughs> there wasn't much at all. But now, uh, uh, Fred's over. Uh, I think he's probably about what about an hour and a half from me. Yeah, hour and a half east. An hour and a half easy. Yeah, we're we're both in the Panhandle of Florida. Nice. Oh, awesome. So when he showed up to buy that plane from me, did he try to lowball you? <laughs> he gave me a, a fair value. Oh. <laughs> it was a fair value. It that, was. That's all right. I'm, I'm I'm trying to lowball him on the next few planes from him. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I was just going to say, but, watch out for that. Yeah. yeah. For the next few planes, though, he might. Yeah. So, I know you said you want to you want to start you know you want to try out helis. Um, do you still fly planes, or is it just basically multi orders now? Uh, it's, it's basically multi-rotors now, um, and I've been doing it mostly for business, although I go out and have a little fun every now and then. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's mostly multi-rotors. Uh, I'm actually looking to get into 
or get back into, I guess, is a fixed wing. But what we're going to do is a multi-engine fixed wing and have that differential thrust. And, and we're kind of excited, or at least I, I'm excited to, to be working with that again um, cool. and uh, and get into that. So, yeah, fixed wing, uh, a little bit, very, very small, but mostly multi-rudder. I, I have to call you out. Um, yeah. One of the things that, that had me immediately like Ken was he was very excited because he – had tried building a flight test plane. <laughs> cool. <laughs> Try or <laughs> yeah, no, no, he's right. Well, Try. Ken, what was I laughing about, Ken? This was my first attempt, my my very first attempt at this, and I have no idea. I guess it was late at night. I was tired. I don't know what was going on. And the thing was, uh, it was a flight test plane. It was the uh, or it is the uh, uh, the spear flight test spear. So the flying uh, wing. The flying wing. Mm-hmm. And it's a very simple project. It's made out of cardboard. You just fold it over, put your your hot glue, and, and everything's fine. Even watching the video, the how-to, over and over and over, I still managed to fold the thing inside out. Outside. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Completely backwards. <laughs> I have to say, you're not alone, dude. I've done that myself with one of those planes. Oh. <laughs> I just um, saw that. I just started laughing. He's like, "What?" <laughs> I was like, "What are you talking about?" Yeah, it uh, it definitely it caught me off guard. It wasn't until I was almost, I was almost done. I was putting on the very, uh, very end of it, the wingtips, and I looked at it and thought, "Wait a second, <laughs> this whole thing is backwards." I've made two uh, left halves of uh, of a plane before. I was like, "What are two? Wait, no, I, I cut this out wrong." <laughs> Yep. Uh, it happens. Um, cool. So you, you say you did start, you know, you started the hobby when you were younger and got back into it. What got you in, interested in the hobby in the first place? I guess I've always been a fan. So of tech, um, I started mm-hmm. uh, flight training, manned aircraft, um, in a Cessna 152 that my granddad owned uh, way back when. I think it was about 13 when I first started my training and i got my solo license at 15 and my instrument at 17 and then my commercial license uh believe at 19 so uh i went i went through it pretty quick and i was i was young to get into manned aviation and i tell you it has been just it's been a blessing it's been fantastic uh type of um, flying being able to do that but uh, I, I've always been interested in aviation. Just always had a heart for it, and doing it with with the RCs has it not until recently, at least for for me as a man pilot, um, only recently have uh, it's really been shown to me that there are so many applications for the RC community and. Right. That's where I had seen that. Oh my goodness! There, there's a whole side of aviation I could be a part of that I haven't been, <laughs> and so <laughs> that's where I, I wanted to jump into it and, and really, really go for it. So, Ken, is that what you do for a living? Do you incorporate that that history with getting your pilot's license and all those add-ons with your day job or anything like that? A- absolutely, I, I sure do. So, uh, I actually have a, a business where uh, I do fly drones. I fly multi rotors. And uh, it, it did start out as uh, through my, my manned aviation, my pilot's license, 
um, having my commercial certificate, or at least having my private pilot certificate, uh, that's what allowed us to start the business that I have uh, a few years ago. Uh, us, I mean, there's a partner of mine and I. We, being man pilots, we had to be man pilots for the 333 exemption that the FAA yep. had put out. And just to even start the business required us to be uh, at least private pilots. So uh, okay. uh, that was the transition for us when we started this uh, about two and a half years ago. Us being pilots, that was the only way we even got to fly, which, you know, it sounds, it kind of sounds ridiculous, uh, at least from my point of view, is that you had to be a complete, full fledged private pilot in order to fly UAVs, small UAVs for commercial purposes. But. Yep. But you didn't have to have any drone commercial sk- or drone piloting skills. Yeah, exactly. No drone piloting skills whatsoever. No RC background. No, no, uh, like radio. Line of sight flying. Line of sight. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it was. They said you had to be a private pilot, and I thought, why? Wow, that's weird. <laughs> and, yeah. and then, how hard can drone flying be, or or any of the other RC? If if you know, the only thing you need to do is be a full skill pilot. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Oh no, it is. It, it there's a there's a whole skill involved that you know when when we started out we weren't even weren't even close and you know being years and years you'd think that being in the in the plane flying with a yoke and a throttle and mixture and all that you know we'd become accustomed to to all those movements it just not it's not even the same <laughs> it's not yeah. even close to the same it's it's all different and so it, for us it was like I said it was a huge learning curve. Yeah, I've definitely heard that. And then plus, like, you know, the equipment you're using, right? Like, it's <laughs> it's totally different, you know? You know, it's different than doing your pre-flight check on a plane and then what you do on a quad or whatever or building one of those. Exactly. Cool. I, I had to uh, <laughs> I had to start using my soldering iron. <laughs> yeah, exactly. A lot of soldering. <laughs> a lot of wiring and programming. A lot of soldering, yeah, yeah. <laughs> awesome. So, uh, other than the inside-out spear, what do you have <laughs> Um, in the fleet, I have I have a few. I've got um, I have a Phantom Two that, and, and you'll be proud to hear, um, I use this to just kind of wreck <laughs> when when I'm when I'm feeling anxious or bored or something. I can just take the Phantom Two out. And we just kind of I just wreck it into something just to watch it. But no, I've got, I've got a few so those are here. all your videos I've seen on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, you'd be surprised what the market is for drone crash videos. <laughs> it's uh, it's it's crazy. No, we have a uh, uh, all of our all of our multi rotors are hand built. Um, I've got a quad, uh, a quad that's got uh, av rotors and, and some uh, carbon fiber props, seventeen inch carbon fiber props. Uh, it's got a uh, DJI Wukong flight controller, but uh, it, it, we don't. We use different software in order to do our autonomous flights. But we use uh, like we have a Spectrum DX9 and DX8 controllers to keep that RF signal. Um, we we use both. We go back and forth. We use the RF signal when we need to do manual flights, and for the autonomous flights, we use the 2.4 data link. Okay. And so we, like I said, we've got one big quad that was like a 900 millimeter frame. And then I've got another one here. That's like a, I want to say like a, 
750 millimeter. We have a uh, coaxial X8 uh, that we built. I love this thing. I, I say that <laughs> I say that because our first uh, our first multi rotor was a hex, and in in the in the case that you have a motor go out, the hex will spin to compensate for that lo motor loss, and but it'll stay in the same GPS location, which is good. You can at least land it without it flipping over. Because in the case of a quad, if a motor goes out, that's it. It's coming oh, down. Right. But with the X8, it's fantastic. I have, and I've, I've seen it do it. Um, I've lost a motor on the X8 frame, and it didn't move. It didn't budge. It didn't flex. Nothing. It just stood there just as rock solid as it did with all eight motors, as with the seven. And X8 is uh, is a quad, your normal quad, but just motor on top and bottom on each corner, right? You got it. Okay. Huh? Yep, that's it. And uh, it it does, uh, you know, they're spinning one way on the top, one way on the bottom, one's pulling, yep. one's pushing. It's It adds, uh, it's just nice that you don't, you know, have to worry about that. Like if, if and in case a motor does go out on the rare occasion then you, you know you don't have to worry about it too much it's that safer redundant uh, aspect of things and it's it's just a nice a nice rig to fly yeah. um, so we've got that and of course we've got we've got a spear uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and we also have a uh, we have a nice one it's it's, it's a collapsible quad uh, that we we use for demos and surveys um, it 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 folds up to maybe nine inches by nine inches square, but it swings 17 inch props. So the arms fold out. It's something I've been able to carry like in my computer bag. If I was going on a flight somewhere, it, it folds up to about a laptop size, but then the arms swing out. It's been a, it's been pretty handy to use. Um, so we've got four or five uh, multi motors that we use for for the business and uh right now what we're trying to do is uh honestly have a little more fun um we've uh, been trying to go out and see uh, uh multi-gp races um they're starting to gain momentum uh locally there's some in south alabama and there's some here in the uh, panhandle of florida so uh, we've been trying to get out and see those guys. Uh, they're having a lot of fun out there, and <laughs> they're having way more fun than we are. That's for sure. <laughs> we're usually uh, up in the air doing business, but uh, no, we, we're going to go out there and watch those guys uh, and get into some of that. And, and we'd also like to get into more uh, fixed wing, uh, FPV, and, and of course, uh, of course, helis. Cool. Nice. Let's get into how everyone's week's been. Then you want to go first, Steve. Sure. My swash plate on my N7 was a little bit loose. It's kind of weird. I noticed there was a fair amount of play on the swash between the top and the bottom piece. So I ended up fixing that and I used a couple of, um, it's kind of weird. I used basically sockets and a hammer. And I basically took the swash plate, put it upside down on a socket where it would cup the, the top um, part of the swash plate. And then Basically, I use different size sockets um, as it got bigger to kind of wedge the, the metal. I don't know how to describe it, but basically the bottom part of the swash plate flares out, and that's what hooks in 
the top to the the bottom bearing, the radial bearing that's on the bottom to keep those two parts together, but the top part still spinning separately. Okay. Um. So I ended no. up kind of using different sockets to kind of bang that and wedge it out and seal it again. And you didn't get any of this on video? <laughs> um, I didn't get it on video. I have the before and after on video, oh. but it's not really much to see. Um, you hear a clicking before, and then after I bang it up a little, you don't hear any clicking and spin truly. Oh. So. Let's see. Besides that, let's. Uh, I'm going to re- redesign my charging case. So I got the uh, file in Illustrator, and I started laying things out. I'm basically the the difference between my current top case and this one's going to be I'm going to integrate my uh, parallel what is it the balance boards inside the the top lid instead of having them just dangle all over the place. Oh, okay, nice. Yeah, uh, I ordered electronics for the Oxy Two, so I got the motor ESC servos. They all just arrived today, so hopefully I'll I'll get that going. I put up my Goblin 380 Nightbird for sale, and that sold. Um, oh, you sold it? I saw it I sold it. I'm pending the payment on it. I'm going to have to... T- the guy was like, can you wait to Thursday? So, you know, that's fine. I'll wait to Thursday. But um, <laughs> but it sold. Um, so I'll get that money on Thursday. And I bought a used Inductrix. Okay, oh, good. <laughs> yeah. So I was selling for 40 bucks. I was like... And it already had the Lynx uh, Spider 65 millimeter frame upgrade. I was like, oh shoot, why not? That's cool. Let me get it, forty bucks. So I, um, yeah, put I, yeah, I bought it and I got it, and I've been flying around the house. Um, I don't know. I think the motors are just they have too much time on them because it's freaking weak as hell. <laughs> I'm like full throttle just to get it like slowly to move up off the ground. So and the, and they're bad, brand new batteries. He included two brand new um, Electron Pro batteries. So I think it's just the motors are kind of like on their way out. Yeah. yeah, and the rate's easy, so. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I was looking on eBay, and there's, like, anywhere from 10 to 15 bucks for 17,000 kV motors, like, you know, the hop-up motors. So I'll probably give that a try. Don't do too good for duration. The stock ones, right? Yeah, yeah they don't. 14K. Um, besides that, uh, <laughs> Father's Day was very interesting for me. Um, how would I say? So <laughs> I went out with four helicopters. So let's start. Let's start with the beginning. Sorry, sorry. Let's let's roll that back a little. <laughs> let's roll that back. Father's Day woke up. Had a great breakfast. My my girl made steak and eggs, and like it was awesome. Had a you know breakfast with the family. Everyone, you know. I hate your guts, a, dude. <laughs> it, was, it was a great great start to the morning. And then I was like, okay, I got all my battery packs charged. I'm bringing four helicopters to the field. I came back with. One helicopter and three bags full of oh. <laughs> three helicopters in the bag. Ugh. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those days where, I mean, learning some new moves, uh, basically learning inverted funnels. And, you know, I got a little confused with the rudder and how much aileron and it kind of tilted and went into the ground. Um, the, the, my problem was I was doing it like five feet off the ground when I should be doing it 30 feet in the air, 100 feet in the air. Yeah. Um, and then I had um, so the you know the oxy went in like that. Sure, whatever. Ah, <laughs> me, you know, if I crash, I just put in the next helicopter. Let's go. Let's fly. So I, I take the Goblin four twenty up, and I'm you know taking it easy first couple packs, and then the last pack. I'm like, all right, let me let me try the funnels again. I'm, I'm gonna get this inverted funnel today. 
So I'm doing an upright funnel, and when I get to the transition where the the blades are basically looking at me, um, I pump up, you know, to get it inverted, and then start doing a funnel the other way. So I'm doing a, basically a transition figure eight funnel. Um, but the right side part of the figure eight is good, but the left side, I I, I can't get that that timing down with the rudder and the aileron oh, um, perfect. So it's kind of weird and. And I lost altitude and I crashed. Oh, jeez. Um, the 420 is actually pretty bad. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. I mean, the tail boom popped off, but that kind of happens. That's actually fine. Like, I can put it right back on, and that's not a problem. The tail push control rod broke. The The worst part about it is I was like, okay, my my you know head spindle's bent. That, that happens. I'm looking at my main gear, and I'm like, that kind of looks lopsided. I bent the transmission plate. So on a goblin, um, for those aren't familiar with goblins, the goblin has like this main aluminum plate in the middle where the servos, the transmission, the motor, everything mounts onto this one plate. Basically, I guess I hit the earth hard enough that it bent bent that transmission plate. So like now my main gear was rubbing against the frame on the side. It was it was really weird. Damn. Um, yeah, it was weird. I just I was like, why is this? Offside, why is it like, you know, rubbing over here? And I take it apart and I look at the transmission plate. You can see it's like bent. <laughs> and it's a pretty thick piece of aluminum, you know. It's just the first time I've ever bent one of these. And I've I've probably put in my 380 or 420, I don't know, a half a dozen times. So Right. So um, I got the parts list and, you know, it will fly again. It'll fly so again in probably a week or two. What you're saying is you're going to have a lot of room for... HOD. Yes. We will have some spare room. <laughs> yeah, because it's all on my workbench. I, and I sent a picture of my workbench to you guys. Um, I'm going to send it to you, Kevin. Yeah. Um, and it's funny because, like, I built these two tables. I have this, like, one huge long table that's a door that's the top of the table. And then I have a four by three table. And it's occupied by four helicopters, three of them, which are, like, 90% taken apart. Oh, jeez. I don't know. Probably all said and done. I'm probably going to spend like about a grand on all these crashes. Jeez. So, yeah. Jeez. <laughs> Not a cheap hobby. Not at all. <laughs> Dude, if you need oxy parts and I have them, man, you can, you're welcome to them. All I need is a tail fin. That's the only thing I didn't have. So I, I ordered one, but if you got one you want to bring over earlier so I can make sure I have it for this weekend. Uh, I cool. think I do have one. I think I got one when Chris sold me the, the sport. He threw in an extra like crash kit thing. I think I do have one. So, I mean, I think I'd be more upset about all this crashing if I didn't sell the Goblin 380 Nightbird, which, you know, and then also, Kevin, you bought my Phantom. So between those two, which I was saving up for another helicopter, it's it's at least it takes most of the burden of like, yeah. you know, the money that I had to shell out to get this stuff fixed. So, so at least that's on a, at least it happened. When I had spare money for this, you know, <laughs> at least that's the plus side. <laughs> that's cool. All right. I know that was a long one. So, uh, Kevin, you want to go next? Sure. <laughs> if Fred doesn't mind, I'll go next. No, no, I'm, I'm waiting here. I got to say right up front that I'm a little wired. I'm a little tired. You're going to need a kidney belt because I'm going to be throwing rabbit punches this whole episode. Sorry, Ken. But <laughs> I'm freaking no when you hear what's been going on with me oh geez yeah i already knocked somebody out did you hear that someone just fall over 
in the RC world, uh, I tore the Oxy apart, the one I crashed uh, two weeks ago. I didn't even go flying this week, this weekend. I didn't go out Father's Day at all because uh, I had family stuff going on. And Saturday was a little crazy. It was raining and I had some work-related stuff going on. But I have to apologize because last week, on I edit Wednesday and Thursday. And because of where I've been working, it's a two-hour and a half-hour ride and stuff. I think I got into it last week. We had the interview and the time with Burt Kammerer, and uh, by the time I got done editing, let's see, it was it was Thursday. I was down in this job. Uh, I left there. I got back up here about four o'clock. I started to have dinner with the wife about five o'clock, and I got a call that I had to go back down to that same site because the camera wasn't working, and I'm on call throughout the weekend. So drive all the way back down there, fix that. By the time I get back home, I think it was. What was it, Steve? Like, what did I text you? Like, one o'clock, twelve, twelve thirty, one o'clock, that yep. I had just finished editing, or or something. I think I finished editing one one thirty. Yeah, and you're like, like, it's uploading now. It should be there in five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I edited, it, but what I did was, I guess I didn't check the other feed that I had, and it only came out on the left hand side. It was funny. Guys were like, "Yeah, I thought it was my radio," <laughs> but I, <laughs> but I, we posted on Facebook that we made a mistake, or I made a mistake, and we tried to fix it, swap it out real quick because i didn't go in friday at all because you're just like on call or something yeah i had already done my eight hours for friday thursday night so then i worked a little bit on saturday sunday getting ready to go to bed nine o'clock i gotta get up at four and i have to get a bucket truck at 5 a.m and drive all the way down two and a half hours down to this job it's crucial it's a really crucial job it has to be done it's like homeland security meets the end of our account with this particular company and so i'm laying down at like nine o'clock i'm like i gotta get some sleep because i gotta get up early and i get a call and i'm out at a call from nine till about midnight and on the way back i get another call and by the time i get back i think it was like two o'clock in the morning so now it's two o'clock in the morning and i gotta wake up a quarter to four so i can get to the one place to pick up the truck so i work all day monday and I'm like, screw this. I'm going to stay down there. I get a hotel down there. Uh, and it's cool. Everybody's cool with it. Like, yeah, just get a hotel, you know, but I'm still on call and I get a call. I finally, I finally get something to eat and lay down about five o'clock in the afternoon. And I get a call for this job in Princeton. I go take care of that. And then I finally get to sleep about, I don't know what it was, like seven o'clock. I sleep from like seven till midnight and I get another call and I got to drive to Edison. I drive up to Edison. I do this call and I come back and this is today. Like now (laughs) it's blowing my mind that it's all today now. And I come back to the hotel and I'm like, I eat the complimentary breakfast. I think I slept for like another half an hour by the time I got back, had the complimentary breakfast and I got to get to the job at seven and I get there and we bang all this stuff out and get everything ready. And I finally get home and my, my boss texts me and he's he's a really good guy and i try to do what i can for him uh we we've worked together as like teammates for a while and you know they promoted him and stuff so he sends me a text now i'm done with call at this point tuesday afternoon i'm done that goes to somebody else and it goes to him and he he sends me a text and he's like i hate to even ask you but i got this call in edison man can you go do it because i'm i'm stuck on this job one of our other guys is is telling me he's sick and i can't get a hold of the other guy the third guy and i'm like 
I'm like, yeah, man, no problem. I'll go take care of it. I'm freaking beat. Like I'm driving back before and I'm tired. And I'm like, now I got to go to this other. So I go down there and now I'm like in La La Land. Like I am just like, I'm talking to people as I'm driving and I'm seeing colors. (laughs) Oh my God. So I'm driving home and yeah, I'm just like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Nice cigarette. Hey, what's up haircut? You know, I'm just like going on and on. So I'm like, man, this show first i was like i told you guys i don't know if i'm gonna be able to make it i'm kind of glad i did because it's gonna be a train wreck so <laughs> <laughs> sorry again ken but no problem. i'm to the point no. where i need a taco and a shake man and i'll be good to go <laughs> so, <laughs> i must apologize for the for the screw up i had last week but that was my reason for it Where's going to, with all that <laughs> <laughs> so fred what have you been up to well <laughs> Now, now I feel guilty. I can't. I can't run long. Uh, <laughs> I I uh, I spoke to a small group of kids. Um, it was a, a the local library does a summer reading program, and, and every week they do um, like some sort of live speaker for the kids. And uh, I thought it was going to be like later elementary, junior high school kids is kind of what I geared my talk to. They rolled into this gymnasium. There's over 200 of them. Oh my god! Everything from preschool on up. I was kind of bummed because I brought some, like my my little cub s, the little micro cub, and my inductor mm-hmm. stuff. Well, for some reason, <laughs> I think my batteries were too old. The inductress just wasn't happy. Um, when I got there and I wanted to set up, there was already a group in there playing basketball. They told me the doors were going to be locked and there was nobody going to be in there. And so I was going to test fly my planes to make sure they'd fly inside that size gymnasium. Mm-hmm. Uh, didn't do that, so I didn't dare fly them with a you know. 200 kids in the audience. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. The flight right. was a little limited and the kids were kind of giving me grief. I, I had the whole group of kids chanting at me at one time, fly it, fly it, fly it with my hex. Uh, uh, no, not going to do that. Uh, <laughs> they did cheer quite a bit when I threw the glider across the, uh, the room and then I brought one of the teachers out and made her throw it. And, uh, you know, the talk was pretty good. It was geared, unfortunately, a little bit to an older crowd. And I, I, in hindsight, it really would have been a great talk for high schoolers. I tried integrating a lot of like, you know, career paths that you can, you know, do with mm-hmm. it. Like I'd, I'd go through the audience and ask the kids, you know, what, what do you think you want to do when you grow up? And one kid was like, you know, I want to be a lawyer. I said, do you think drones would, you know, you could get a job that has to do with drones and, and as a lawyer? And she said, no. And so I you know, gave some examples about different drone law type stuff. And then, uh, you know, farmers and different, you know, every type of, of um, you know, job that they they gave me i would try to tie in you know a job that you do with drones oh that's cool you know kind of gave a breakdown on how to get into the hobby and types of aircraft and went through all that stuff I, and i had you know 15 different you know drones airplanes gliders everything with me so you know the, the kids thought the display was phenomenal they were a little disappointed on the lack of flying i think um, i had a, a big screen tv i made this it looked like an easel that mm-hmm. i mounted the tv on the FPV feed was going through the TV so they could all see the FPV feed. Oh, cool. Nice. But again, it was it was twice the size crowd that I was actually expecting. So the kids at the very edges had a hard time seeing. Um, you know, I had a little PowerPoint type presentation. And again, you know, if they're at the far left or the far right end of the bleachers, you know, yeah. they had a little hard time seeing. So as I tw- you know, ran towards the, the wrap-up part of the, the talk, you could tell they were already thinking about lunch. And I, I looked up and one whole group had disappeared. Uh, that that preschool or whatever decided it was time for lunch. They were going to get the kids on the bus. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> it it was interesting. Uh, not one of my best talks, but it was it was good. That's cool, man. Beyond that, uh, I've been rebuilding some of my stuff. I completely redid my little FT two ten and 
and uh, um, took the uh, the the gremlin apart, and I put my um, the uh, tr- video transmitter on top of the gremlin so I could access the uh, channel changer because up until now, mm-hmm. been flying myself, so no big deal. It's no frequency yeah. conflicts. Right. Well, I, I went out and went flying with those guys, and and I was having hits and stuff on my video, and I couldn't change the channel because everything was buried. Uh, so you know, I, I'm gonna have to change how I build my my uh, my stuff now is if, if I'm going to be flying with other people. Oh, you uh, don't have one of those small little cameras that have the button on top? You're using like an actual video transmitter and a separate camera and stuff? Yeah, yeah. It's it's a separate camera. Um, okay. It's, it's so a, you're not using like the little Hyperion or the E-Flight, oh, no, I, you know, I, I 25 milliwatt? Destroyed that antenna on the first, you know, first couple of flights. <laughs> nice. So I went to a, a different one. I got it off from Banggood for like 20 bucks. And it's, it's, a, it's as good, if not better. And uh, it's got a whip antenna. Smash that in the ground, you know, a hundred times. It doesn't do anything. Yep. So that's uh, what I have to. Yep. And then uh, the last thing I'm doing is I've been playing with the printer a little bit more. Uh, I finally got a micro SD card holder that actually printed out properly. Nice. And uh, right now I'm printing up. It's it's the the printer says 24 hours or so, but it lies. And it's only going to be about 12. Uh, I'm I'm printing a case for my. Um, my uh, inductrix so it'll hold a bunch of batteries and i'll, ha- I'll hold it and i can throw it into a backpack and not worry about it nice oh that's cool yeah so uh that's me uh ken what have you done this week well i don't know about anything that impressive uh that's been that's been pretty cool i, I guess the one even a couple of things one we uh, i went and spoke with our local um uh county uh representatives about trying to integrate drones into or drone policies into the county. Um, they're, they're curious about how other counties and other places are taking the whole drone thing. And I, I say that because there's, there's cities that are banning uh, drone flights or UAV yeah. flights. And, yeah. Diffuniac, exactly. They're banning them. So uh, because of other places doing it, they're kind of thinking about it. Uh, and so I went and talked to uh, some folks up there uh, yesterday morning. And uh, and also, I have just completed – I say completed. I just put the locks on the doors <laughs> and put an air conditioner in there to, to the shed, my maintenance facility – we're going to be uh, building and working on drones and fixed wings and all kinds of stuff. And so we're, we're finally getting a full shop that's just for that and, and not in the garage. Nice. Cool, man. I, I've been waiting on the pictures, so um, I'm just going to have to come see it in person. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to have to. I have some pictures. It's I'm going to have to uh, take some better pictures. So right now it's just – it's so dark in there uh, when – when the doors closed and you got to turn the lights on. So well, I don't you do, think you have to turn lights on the building when you shut the door and have no windows, but yeah, but it's, it's good. I'm, I'm excited. So yeah, I got to send some pictures. I'll let uh, send you guys a link to it. Okay. So let's move on to the main topic. Part one Oh seven. What the hell is part one Oh seven? What happens part one and part one Oh six? I was going to say it comes after part 106. <laughs> yeah. yeah. If you find the 106, you come tell me. because <laughs> uh, My neighbor had a motorcycle that was, a, I think, a Honda 106 or something. 
or 160. And he used to throw parties and everybody would get drunk and we'd ride it up and down the street. It was, yeah, it was a good time. Dirt, <laughs> dirt road, no helmet. It was a good time. Nice. <laughs> so I remember somebody yelling out, fire up that 106. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it has no bearing on the 107. There's your, nope. there's your kidney punch. <laughs> I told you. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, part 107, what is it? So, so part 107 is uh, it, it's for non-hobbyists. Uh, it's it's uh, the commercial standards that the FAA has put out finally, and uh, it's what what regulates. It's like part 91, uh, part 141. It's a, just another part that regulates, and specifically, it's for uh, SUAS commercial uh, regulations, and that's that's what it is. Um, if you uh, if say you go to take your 107 test, it would be uh, the equivalent of um, a private pilot taking their ground portion of their test or their flight portion. Well, now the FAA says uh, if you want to fly commercially, these small UAS uh, that's you know 55 pounds or less. Um, or greater than 0.55 pounds, then then you have to take this this standard test that we give. So um, that that's what it is. Uh, it's the FAA's way of trying to commercialize or allow for the commercialization of the uh, small UAS market. Nice. So who needs to take who needs this part 107? So anyone commercial? Like I mean, right. So uh, you know it. It's kind of been a – the FAA has been all over the place with this the last few years, um, and I'm sure you guys have been watching it happen as the uh, the community has grown in, in leaps and bounds uh, over the last few years. Uh, and it, it actually started out with the, the 333 exemption uh, a couple of years ago, 2015 is when they started that, and it was a way to, uh, to have commercial UAV pilots um, – be legitimized in the and, and most of it is for the national airspace. That's that's one of their big concerns. Um, mm-hmm. Is how do we integrate small UAS into the national airspace? Um, and that's where in the beginning they required everybody to be a full fledged private pilot, since private pilots have that basic background knowledge. Right. Right. Well, uh, now with the one hundred and seven. <laughs> You don't have to have a lick of aviation background whatsoever. No experience is needed. Uh, no medical is needed. You just have to be 16 years of age, and uh, you do you do have to uh, register as a pilot. So you're gonna you're gonna go through a background screening uh, through the FAA, um, and then you know, of course you got to pass your your 107 uh, exam, and, and then you can be a commercial a commercial pilot. And I guess what that really means is if anything you do is you're going to sell it. If, if you're marketing or you're just taking pictures or videos, or let's say your, your airframe is carrying a, um, uh, we've seen a lot of, and, and this is, this is why I've been so interested in you guys is there's been over in Japan, they were using helis that had radar detectors on them around the the uh, Fukushima plant when it had its mm-hmm. issue a couple of years ago. Yeah, they were using helis to fly in there and get the radiation readings and then come out and then they could, you know, assess the damage. So, Oh, interesting. 
there's so many uses for it. Yeah. And, and that's where a lot of folks have been um, really seeing that opportunity is that you can use, you can use, I mean, <laughs> for you guys, are, it's, it's much more fun than it is work, but, but you can use them for, for a lot of work, a lot of good. It, it actually gets a little more complicated than that though, too, because now with the uh, 107, they differentiate recreational flying, hobbyist flying, and then everything else. I mean, everything else. So technically, the way they're looking at it is if you're entered in a contest and there's a prize that you could win, that's no longer recreation. You're competing for something. And technically, the way the FAA looks at it, you should have a Part 107 you know, license to compete in competitions. That's why you're seeing like the Rotor Riot guys and all those guys starting to get their, their certification. So you're saying that like, okay, you know, the F3N or F3C, like, you know, FIA, uh, you know, competitions for helicopter precision flight. If there's a, any type of cash prize, I would have to have a 107 to compete in it. It could be, it could be a, an item. That's yeah. the way they was saying. Now they haven't enforced it yet. That's where they're going with it. But it's, it's the enforcement is, is one of the biggest things is uh, they, they are not enforcing a lot of their own rules. And a lot of that's just manpower. They just don't have it. They can't in any way, shape, or form go out and try to regulate most of their own policies. But yeah, that, that is kind of the way it reads, that if you're flying even a heli and you have, you know, you're marketing someone else's brand name on the side of it because you got sponsored or, you know, you're say you're filming with your heli other helis. Okay, well, if you're making money from that film or if you're using that film as advertising or marketing, then then that technically is a commercial operation. You need to be certified. Yeah. The way the FAA looks at it is non-recreational. They don't or, care if it's good. Exactly. What, what if it's even recreational? Like, OK, I take my Phantom and I go up and I, I take a scenic shot and I add like my own music to it and then it gets monetized by YouTube and I make that, a penny off of it for a thousand views like that. I, yeah. I, I'm in trouble for hey, a penny. Hey, Threatening that that, <laughs> that yep. was something that was non-recreational. Once you received any compensation for it, wow. um, even to the point like I don't know if you're familiar with Air Bears, the the volunteer. Oh, uh-huh, sure, show. yeah, yeah, Scott. Uh huh. We had Scott on the show. Yeah, uh-huh. Scott's Scott's you know kind of pulling his hair out because actually he was talking about it on your show, I think. Yeah. Uh, where they're wanting him, you know, if even if you're just you know one of the volunteers, you're supposed yeah. to have a seven certificate in order to participate in that because it's not for recreation. You're doing that. For a purpose other than pure fun, um, so so I mean it's getting to the point where they're going to want everyone to have a part one hundred seven or some equivalent of even as a as a hobbyist. I imagine this sounds to me like we're going to tax illegal substances. So when we catch you with them, not only are yep. you in trouble, we can also get you for tax evasion. That's exactly what this sounds yeah. like to me. Uh, I thought this was more like um, I have a headache and I need to get a little prescription card for it to be legal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, yeah, exactly. You know, I, I don't know. I mean, so how does this play into the um, the FAA registration that they were making everyone do, the UAS registration? Well, well, luckily, they actually just overturned that in a surprise. Right. Okay, so thank goodness, because that was ridiculous. But do the commercial side still need to do that, or is it just the recreational well, side? Like, if you're under AMA, you don't have to register. No, the the non non recreational, all the commercial stuff. Yeah, we still have to register uh, each aircraft, and then of course for us, if we're if we have a business, we have then insure each aircraft. Oh, so boy. we have to register it, insure it. Yeah, that's a dip. That's a bit different than 
registering each aircraft, the the hobbyist was registered under the FAA. The pilot was registered. Exactly. Not for us. We got to do each aircraft individually. And it's got, and you have to send in specs on it too. You know, it's flight time. Does it carry a payload and all this other stuff? Unbelievable. Wow. So we can, yeah. tax, so, uh, so, so we can get our tax money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. That's exactly Jeez. what it is. Wow. I mean, they're, it's kind of, uh, I don't, I don't want to say it's, you know, it's, it's, it's big brother ish, but at the same time, they're, they want people. It's just like the gun policies. They want everybody to register, but if, if say you're out there and you just don't care about it, then there's also not really a lot of people enforcing it either. Uh, and and yeah. I thought it was a much more nefarious purpose, but I think I've kind of toned back on that. Um, one of the things that stuck out to me when I when I went ahead and got registered, everyone, you know, there was a few people that got mad at me for registering when you know it wasn't obligatory yet. Um, I wanted to see what the the wording was the registration process. Right. There was almost no safety involved. Um, There's nothing really that told you about how to look up a NOTAM or any of that stuff. Um, and, and I always say whatever they're willing to penalize you over is what's really important to them. And if you didn't register and if you gave bad information was the two things that they would find you. So to me, the only thing that they were really after was that information. Um, oh, yeah. Your name, yeah, I, your address. I, yep. well, and it, that to a point, but I think what it was was the number of people that were drone pilots, and they got I mean, they got some hard numbers. I mean, it, I don't know what it is up to now, but one of the numbers was over four hundred thousand, and they're saying that there's more drone pilots than there are full scale pilots, manned aviation pilots. Yeah. Um, so you know, it's I think it's partly a marketing ploy for when they approach Congress and hey, listen, we need more money because we've got four hundred thousand or more. You know, <laughs> yeah. Up, out of police um so you know it's always about money one way or another and uh so i'm, I'm less on the uh, conspiracy theory you know evil faa than i was before because you know i think it was more of a just trying to get an accounting number that they could actually t- take to someone and, and show oh yeah and plus two million dollars after everybody paid their five bucks right yeah but you gotta yeah. figure they probably spend more than <laughs> registration system and the um and and the tracking and all them you know all the stuff that was involved in the uh the process end of it the, the employees and all that stuff they probably blew more money than that on that so mm-hmm. well they should have went to godaddy.com and just did a website through there it would have cost them like 1595 <laughs> <laughs> yeah you're dang right <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, one so you know, they, they must have learned something okay godaddy.gov all right so um how hard is it to get to 107 how hard is the test well so it's it's not that it's not that hard and and i say that because i've been flying airplanes for 20 years but uh for like let's say someone who's never flown an aircraft even for you guys have been around um you know, helis and, and RCs long enough that you even you guys would have a, a basic understanding of, you know, eighty percent of the material. But okay. uh, there is a there is some portions in the test that are dedicated to weather and how to read a map in order to uh, just you know see what the what the weather is on its as you're flying outdoors. Uh, it does ask you questions specific to the rules, so you do have to kind of go over the rules of, um, you know, 400 feet is your max altitude, 
uh, for commercial flights, um, you know, no flying over people. Uh, basically, all the stuff you've seen online, don't do that. Don't don't do any of that. <laughs> that guy from New York, you know, what's that in the stat or whatever his name is? Yeah, don't do that. <laughs> yeah, the guy's like flying up and down at, in downtown New York. Yeah, don't don't do that. Really, I can't just take my drone up and fly around the Brooklyn and Manhattan Bridge and you know, <laughs> go through those like little like loops that they got as like gates and stuff. No, that's not yeah. recommended. <laughs> <laughs> not that's right, not recommended. <laughs> See who can get through the Lincoln Tunnel first. Can't do that, right? <laughs> Ooh, man, that's that's a challenge on its own with just a video signal. That's a challenge on through. its own in a motor vehicle. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, boy. Yeah, let's not put any ideas in anybody's heads. (laughs) I know. Especially you and me, Steve. I'm thinking I'll drive. You can pilot the drone. (laughs) We'll see how fast we can get through. The the funny thing is that's the exact reason why Trappy went to New York and flew around the Statue of Liberty was because basically they told him that he couldn't because it was too too much radio interference. And he said, no, no, my radios are better. And, you know, that's. (laughs) Kind of what he did, and he, he was successful. He flew around bridges and, and the Statue of Liberty and down through buildings. And But it wasn't until he went to a, a college and supposedly made a little money off of the footage that they really got ramped up with him, right? Oh, yeah. That's, that's what yeah. That one was a disaster. That's that's a story for another time when Ken uh, Kevin's not so tired. Yeah. Uh, what type of commercial work do you do? Uh, so we, uh, we, we started out with uh, uh, real estate. Uh, commercial real estate. Um, uh, I didn't, you know, in the name offshore, we did boats, uh, power yachts, uh, and um, a lot of uh, beachfront property. Um, now, since then, uh, over the last couple of years, we've started moving into a few other uh, categories. Like, in fact, we were actually just up in uh, Jersey a few weeks ago, oh. and we were filming Home Depot rooftops for a uh, solar panel company. Oh, wow. Yeah. They were going to come in, install solar panels, and they needed measurements. They needed updated photos. So we came in with our quad, and it had a uh, PixHawk flight controller, and we sent it up, and it did a 10-minute flight, and we were done, and we moved on to the next one. Now, were you able to get your measurements from the footage, or do they have to actually go up and physically measure Nope, they can they can get measurements from the footage. That's awesome. Oh, that's wow. so cool. Yep, absolutely. It's it's something that's been um, uh, survey companies and, and construction companies are really uh, enjoying the, the the quick effectiveness of being able to pull that type of measurements that quickly um, for over an entire the whole roof of the Home Depot. I, I know they're doing a uh, volumetric. Uh, measurements with like rock piles and sand dirt piles uh just purely with drone flyovers so that's interesting that they're getting the measurements too on buildings exactly exactly they're they're able to uh render 3d models from these pictures and and like i said 10 minutes we filmed an entire home depot yeah we we've also been looking into it's a working with some uh agricultural companies and doing surveys with with their lands um the autonomous flight in general uh once you can get that squared away and and you understand the programs and the systems you can do a lot 
with with the agricultural field or with the survey field, construction. It's there's a lot out there that you can do, and that's what's so interesting for us is the opportunity that that's out there. So do you hand over the the footage and or do you have the software that actually will calculate the square footage and all that stuff? Both, both actually. We we can render the the maps ourselves, um, or or whatever the volumetrics that they'd like the customer, and also some construction companies they have their own proprietary software, and so they just want the raw data. Okay. Right. So we'll just give it to them, and then they'll process as they need. It all depends on on the customer. You know, it, if it's a customer who's maybe not uh, familiar with with what even what even what they need. Um, they've got a small piece of property. We might go ahead and do it for them, uh, as opposed to a large company who has thousands of jobs and thousands of acres worth of you know survey to do. They might have their own software. So uh, you're making what twelve bucks an hour and ten minutes. So that's what you know, a couple of bucks per job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah, uh, it's it, it's it is a nice. Um, it's a good way to get outside. I'll say that. <laughs> it's a good way to get outside. It's a good way to come uh, to Jersey. That's right. Uh, you know, I mean, I'm guessing it's, you know, a fairly, you know, decent pay scale for you to do this as a career. It, it has been. It, it sure has been. Uh, we we actually also started uh, teaching. So we provide a training course now that resembles that of uh, Embry-Riddle Aeronautical University, which not to – save my but that is where I went to college that's my alma mater and uh, we it, it's stem certified in the state of Florida so uh, it, it's a training program that really focuses in on the aviation aspect of being a commercial UAV operator but what we do is we get people set up for the 107 so they can uh, be prepared to take the test and actually have kind of a basic understanding of what is thrust <laughs> what is right. what is you know, weight, forward momentum, you know, basic stuff that uh, most people who are just getting into this wouldn't, wouldn't necessarily think about. Yeah. I, um, I, I actually attended a, a kind of a sales pitch basically for a class at the local college that, um, involves somebody you work with. Um, now the, yep. the college is kind of bastardized it to the point that I, I just, I, I couldn't sign up for it. They, they stretched it out over like an eight month course and I didn't want to do that, but, uh, yeah. Sounds like the ones you guys work with is a little bit shorter term for the the turnover on the on the lessons. It sure is. We we do uh, we do three days. It's eight hours a day. It's a twenty four hour course, and, and like I said, it gets uh, someone who has no knowledge of aviation or UAVs whatsoever, and it gets them prepped and, and ready to take their their one hundred and seven uh, ground test. So Perfect it's from Brad. hey. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I keep trying to lowball on the price of the class but he won't go for it yeah I think he wants to barter for some of these planes I'm not sure <laughs> I'll, like, I'll buy all this planes off of you if you give me the class voucher I'll, I'll let you fly my helicopter if you give me the class for free ooh he'll teach you how to fly a helicopter that's what I heard see now now you're talking now, so, I'm, uh, I'm highly motivated so what, what would be the benefit of you know, actual training versus trying to self-teach? You know, for me, I've had a long career in aviation. Uh, you know, like I said, I started when I was 13 and, you know, 
32 now, so I've got a little over uh, 20 years or so, or right at 20 years of, of experience. The self-taught, you may miss a couple of things, or you may you may not quite understand something. And it, again, this is coming from someone who has no knowledge of aviation or no knowledge of RCs whatsoever. This is basic, basic, basic knowledge. Um, the the national airspace and the regulations that the FAA wants you to understand when working within the national airspace, because to them, they feel that six inches off the ground is their jurisdiction. Mm-hmm. Um, and they really do believe that they feel if it flies, it's under their thumb. So it, it's a good uh, process to, to get someone to kind of walk you through this a little bit. And if you have any questions, they can be there to answer them for you, or at least point you in the right direction. Um, so that you just don't miss anything because what we don't want people to do is to, is to get out they start flying and then they maybe go flying on a day that say the blue angels are flying and somebody gets very upset with them <laughs> about doing that or they're flying too close to an airport or, or flying over a, a football game. They shouldn't be, um, this is the kind of stuff we want to try to, you know, just just help everybody out, keep everybody safe. Well, it's, it's, you know, the, the test isn't free, um, so you got to yeah. invest it there. So you don't want to throw that money away. Yeah, the test is uh, it's about sixty questions, I believe, and it's about one hundred and fifty dollars uh, to take the test. Um, wow! Yeah, and, and if you pass, you have to pay that again. You don't go, you don't get to keep, you know, taking it till you pass. So if you don't get it, then you're out that 150 bucks. So for those that are getting into it, yeah, it is something that when you're investing in the, you know, if it's something you really want to do, you really want to make a little money with your, with your, your small UAS, then yeah, it, it's a, it, it's a worthwhile investment. Is cheating a possibility? <laughs> like, can I copy off of somebody? No, I'm like, can, well, can I just have you go take the test for me? <laughs> oh, I'll there take you go. That's going to take two helicopters. <laughs> two flight lessons <laughs> yeah, take the take the flip phone in there yeah that'll work <laughs> uh, don't they take the phone from you when you go in yeah <laughs> yeah take your phone they give yeah. you those um there's a number two pencil and one of those basic uh solar calculators yeah and he's not kidding basically you go in with some scratch paper something to write with and a basic calculator for the test you're not allowed to have a any sort of you know internet accessible device Oh really? So so it's something you need a calculator for then? Well, uh, it, it, there's a couple of uh, questions in there where you might need it. Um, like questions navigation as, uh, type. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Navigation type and uh, like weight loading is in there. Um, you know, when your aircraft is tilted in a bank, how much bank load is exerted on the aircraft? Uh, that would be an example of maybe one or two of the questions in there. And it's a very simple. It's it's A squared plus B squared equals C squared. I mean, it's a triangular uh, equation that you just – you go through it and, oh, that's your answer. You just – it is, I say, basic math. Um, that's exceeded my math level. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, it's – it's not too bad. Um, that's that's about the only math in there, and everything else is, uh, like I said, weather and safety and, and a lot of airspace stuff, uh, stuff that you know, most people wouldn't really think about. This sounds similar to your sport license, where there's no medical or anything like that. You just go in; they don't need 
to know much and that's it. That's where you stop kind of thing. When you were talking before about, you know, you don't need medical and stuff like that. Correct. Correct. That's, that's, it's, it's, it's a lot like the sport license. Uh, it's a, it's a basic ground school, basic knowledge. And, uh, and that's pretty much it. There is, so there's no test to take in order to be a commercial UAV maintenance operator that doesn't exist yet. <laughs> uh, like it does for manned aviation. You have to be a certified mechanic. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah, I never thought so, about that. Well, exactly. There's a, and that's the thing. There's just so many opportunities for, so basically everything that's manned now has an unmanned opportunity. Everything from maintenance to insurance to, um, well, don't uh, let the FAA know that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. I'm sure it's yeah. been through their think tanks, man. One of the complaints I've seen like rate lately, I mean, it's always been there. There's people getting upset about the, well, you know, why can't we fly over people? That doesn't seem fair. Well, you know, I, I know how to fly. I'll take the risk. But, you know, my argument was we don't have any sort of maintenance qualification for the uh, the aircraft. There's no inspections or anything like that. So their mitigating factor is just saying, okay, you can't fly it over people because, you know, they don't know who's been working on it and how, how you know, if you have skill and repairs. Because, I mean, you know you've crashed it. But I think once they start doing that is when they're going to open it up to where you can fly over people, fly over structures and stuff like that once they have some sort of inspection process in place yeah and then how long before we have a full-size one that you can fly in and like take to work or whatever you know once that that uh maintenance well, is instituted they're working on the automated flying uber oh nice yeah oh, yeah they are they re- they really are they're pushing that stuff uh real hard automation in oh, general boy. automated uh, <laughs> Seems uh like, automated. oh boy <laughs> yeah. i mean we know how uber treats the drivers and their employees now how they're going to treat their ai that's that's <laughs> going to be terminator for sure that's kind of right there well listen i have a case with windows 10 and my my pc like 25 years from now i'm taking microsoft to court for windows 10 forcing itself upon my pc back in <laughs> 2014 <laughs> yeah uh, that's why i run yeah. max no, but that's interesting. You know, once they give you a, a, you know, some form of maintenance, I can definitely see that happening. And it even spreads into into the helis for sure. If if anybody's using a heli to film something, they're they're going to have to be certified, and uh, they're going to have to go through maintenance protocols eventually. You know, none of this is here now, but but at some point they will. Fred, who's the guy? Uh, um, we've met him a few times out at in Ohio. Um, Eric. That uh, that did that for discovery. Yeah, I'll link in the show notes here to the episode he was on with Flight Test, where he had the uh, the seven hundred as the uh, camera platform. Yeah, T Rex. Yeah, and, and it's it's crazy because that's back in two thousand thirteen, and the the camera gimbal was like horrible. Um, <laughs> it was huge too. <laughs> it was huge. Yeah, and look what they're at but, now. Geez, you could probably put one of those. Mavic gimbals on an oxy now, a 300 size helicopter and oh, fly easily. It. Yeah, easily. So I mean, it wouldn't be, as, wouldn't be as stable as a seven, but but yeah, yeah. But the camera on the Maverick 4K in that little tiny housing. It's, or imagine it's that amazing. on like the 690, the something logo, something like light like yeah. that. Yeah, and the right nose will be hidden. Yeah, wouldn't even take any weight or anything. So, hey, um, <laughs> so let's say you, you get through all the class, you um, you, you pass your test. Do you have any recommendations on what a, a new pilot needs to know after they pass the test? 
if you pass your test and you're looking to do this on a commercial level, uh, go find yourself some insurance because you're going to need that. Can I bundle my insurance? <laughs> it's, it's funny you ask that because uh, actually at the moment we're talking to our insurance company about that very issue because they currently do not have a bundling option for having multiple drones. Uh, mostly, they should. Yeah. No, it's, it's kind of ridiculous. You're not flying all of them at the same time. I mean, come on. You only fly one or two. Not unless you're Disney. There you go. Yeah. Or right. IBM. They can afford it. But no, that, yeah. you, that's a valid point, though. I mean, how many cars do you have? And if you have more than, you know, they usually cut you a break on, I have sure. three cars and I'm a single guy or whatever. I'm not driving, you know, them all at the same time. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. That's And that's what we pose to them. And, you know, they're going back with the underwriters right now to try to figure out how to how to write that policy up. But 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 exactly. It's it's just so new that even the mm-hmm. insurance companies are trying to catch up on on how to how to work this. Is the insurance expensive? Um, I mean, you might be looking at is like it's different for us because we have um, handmade aircraft versus what the insurance calls off the shelf. Sure. Uh, the off the shelf, they do give it a slightly better insurance rate, but you know you're still looking at fifteen hundred, two thousand a year. Oh man, it's more to, than my car. Yeah, well, yeah, wow. yeah that, it could be to to get yourself covered. Now this covers you from it, you know if you drop your drone inside somebody's mansion or you drop it on their Mercedes Benz because you're filming their beach house. Uh-huh. And <laughs> at least for us, that's where you know you get covered, and we're covered up to like a million dollars. So wow, okay, we do have pretty good coverage, which is is good, and we enjoy it. It actually they have provisions in there um, since it is a UAV, even though it's still based here in the U.S. We do have terrorist coverage. Hmm. What? And it's part of the basic package that they're giving out with these UAVs now. So what is that? What is that? Yeah, yeah. Like, what's the description of that? Yeah, drop that bomb and walk away. Are they pl- so, are they, are they implying that you're? Well, like- no. So it, it's it's actually it's it's an interesting way to think about it. Uh, so if somebody, so since you have registered your drone as a commercial aircraft with the FAA, you are now just as you're on the same legal standing as an airliner. Oh, so someone would jack your like. You know, yep. transmission feed, yep. you know, your your control feed and take over your thing, and, you know, and crash into something. Ah, I see. That's it. Yep. So wow. if someone jacks your signal and and takes your drone and does something like said nefarious with it. Right. Then, yeah. Then you're you're covered. And then is, is it just liability or do I get full coverage? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, that's a lot of money. I mean, come on, fifteen hundred bucks a year. I hope I get full coverage. <laughs> Yeah, that's actually that's just liability. Oh boy. <laughs> yeah, I'm afraid so. But uh, you, you, and again, you can go to them and ask whatever insurance coverage you want, and and it oh. will kind of dictate what it is you plan on doing. I know for us, they asked us in the beginning, do we plan on flying over people, because they would have went up on the rates. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So, um, so finding good insurance is something that I would suggest all commercial operators. Uh, to go and do, and then uh, also, you know, you're you're going to be out in the in the weather a lot, <clears throat> so you're going to be checking the weather, but also check the airspace because things can happen 
and I, I just throw this as an example, um, a TFR, a terminal flight restriction, can be put up at any moment uh, that the FAA puts out, and this may involve, say, the president's movement. Um, hey, Kevin, you know what a TFR stands for now? Yes, terminal. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was temporary, but okay. Yes. Made me yeah. think of that band overkill for some reason. Oh, I'm sorry. No, you're right. You're right. Temporary. Temporary flight restriction. Yeah. Oh, yeah. man. I like yeah. Terminal better. <laughs> yeah. I kind of like that. It sounded that better, too. Yeah. No, sorry. I'm, I'm. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Temporary flight restriction. It's in what they do is they'll shut down an airspace for... Oh, we're very, very aware of that. Yeah. You guys should know, especially being up where you're at. Yeah. Trump and, likes and, okay. to go to Bedminster. <laughs> yeah. And that's the thing. If... If he, you know, on on the president's whim, he wants to go out to Princeton one day. Well, anything in a thirty mile radius of Princeton is now shut down. And if you start flying around to go film something, and and you didn't check or you didn't, you know, look to see if he was in there in the area that day, then you can be in violation of flying in that 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 flight restriction, and you know, be fined by the FAA or they take your license. But again, this is. It goes back to an enforcement issue is you know whether they they even knew you were there or not but that's what makes right. it such a such a touchy thing right now yeah and you're probably not dealing with the police i think that's a secret service <laughs> yeah yeah you um, wouldn't be dealing with the police you'd be dealing with the black suvs mm-hmm. yeah so what are some of the applications of the 107 cert uh so so 107 uh like i said you can go do so many different things and and that's what give so much opportunity. You can go fly with uh, farmers in the ag field by checking crops, checking the, the health of crops. You can fly with uh, commercial uh, development or, or construction. You can fly with uh, the road and bridge department. You can fly for insurance uh, purposes for roof damaging, uh, the roof damages after a storm or a tree falls on a house. You can right. use it for uh, – in fact, recently we, we did a class where we, we taught the police, the local sheriff's office, and they're going to be using drones for scene recreation. Oh, nice. Uh, so they'll, they'll pop up real quick above a scene, above an accident. They'll take some pictures, and then those pictures can be used to make a 3D model of whatever accident was going on. Wow. And then, of course, this can be – used to, you know, help with, like I said, insurance or, or, you know, there's a case or something, they can use that as evidence. Uh, so, um, there, there's all kinds of stuff you can use it to, uh, I know locally, uh, I think over toward where Fred is over in his County, they are trying to use drones to fly life preservers offshore from the lifeguard stations. Yeah. That'd be awesome. So, you know, someone's out and we've got a lot of uh, tourism down here in the Panhandle of Florida. And so if, say, somebody's out in the in the surf and, and it's a little too strong and they start struggling, well, a, a lifeguard can send out a life preserver uh, and give that, that person a few extra seconds or a few extra minutes until the lifeguard can get out there themselves. Well, and that's actually, um, you know, in the Park Service, we have you know people that, that swim during you know, non-swimming conditions. So to have that drone that could get down there and, and drop the, the, the life preserver would be huge. Uh, another thing that used to happen with us would have, you'd be out on a remote beach and uh, someone would have a heart attack. Oh, geez. 
And uh, the time it takes to get the information from the scene to a ranger to the to the location where the the, the AED device is, and then right. getting down on a vehicle that's an off road vehicle down the length of the beach out to that person, you know, you might have exceeded the time that they had for survivability uh, yeah. versus right. I'll just say, you know, I've got my phone out, send it to my phone and have a GPS coordinate locked in and just drop it right next to the person. And then they can yeah. use it. Um, just make yeah. an AD quad. I mean, they got, yeah. you usually run, you know, pretty high voltage. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Put a couple of 10,000 milliamps on there. You'd be good. Yeah. it's funny you say that steve though because i think what was it last year i saw something similar to that where the quad landed and the guy was having a heart attack and it was i think it was a whole promo thing yeah right but i don't see why not yeah absolutely Um, have to have people that maybe they're not the pilot but they're gonna have to have people that test fly those uh to test the um the the ai basically the the guidance systems Mm -hmm. they work uh you're probably gonna have to have a pilot to come down and do kind of a a prep of the site, you know, because it's probably going to be a site specific because you don't want it flying through power lines or below tree level or something like that. So someone's right. going to have to pull that up ahead of time. Sure. Put on a Mavic. It'll just avoid everything and go around <laughs> everything. <laughs> these Anything things are so just... smart these days now. That's right. The whole way. So you mentioned uh, teaching uh, the police department. I mean, who else uh, have you been teaching? Like, who comes to your course? Uh, well, they're, we actually just got started, uh, recently. So they're part of our first group to go through, but we're also working with, um, uh, like we're trying to be working with the USDA, their forestry department. Um, they have issues. I'm sure you've heard when there's big fire somewhere, uh, local drones will come in and then the firefighters can't let the, the water tanker come in and drop water. Well, the firefighters started thinking, well, why don't we use our own drones? Anti-drone so drones. Anti, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anti, you know, for, for an anti-drone uh, situation, but also so they can see where the fire is and they can allocate uh, services to wherever they need to uh, so they can get a better eye on what's going on. And so they've been wanting to use it for themselves. And I know a lot of different uh, forestry departments around the country, they're looking for fire prevention. You know, if they could go out with a drone and see smoke long before right. anyone else, well, that, then they can go out there and, and take care of that. That's something I've seen firsthand, too. Uh, we, uh, we do intentional burns where we try to clear off the excess fuel load uh, so that if there does come a wildfire, it doesn't have as much to burn. We had a uh, helicopter assistance doing um, uh, air, aerial drops where they would basically drop little ignition devices as they flew over this large acreage area. During the day, weather conditions changed on us, and the fire actually escaped the line. And so that, that helicopter switched into a monitoring, and uh, I, I think he used the, the, the suppression bucket, too, uh, where he could drop water on the fire. Uh, but halfway through it, he hit his time limit. There was a certain time limit that the, the helicopter or the pilot or whatever it was, oh, once geez. they couldn't fly anymore, they had to go back to service. You know, either he had to go into a, his rest time or the helicopter had whatever it was. We're halfway through this now wildfire and we lose our air. And so we don't have and, and it's an area that, you know, we couldn't get in to see by from the ground because it's surrounded by swamp and woods that a drone could have gone in there and, and told us, you know, exactly where the fire was and with GPS coordinates. So I could definitely see where that'd be applicable. Oh yeah, yeah. We're uh, 
So we're trying to teach, uh, we're trying to go for you know businesses who want to start a UAV department within their business. Uh, and a lot of companies are seeing they have one of two options. Either they can hire out somebody who has their license, who can fly drones and has their own equipment, or they can create a very small flight department within their own their own company and depending on the company if it's a large one like say um you know edison i think is up there in new jersey edison power um our our uh, curriculum based through usi they they were helping edison um with their uav integration and because they wanted to fly with their own pilots with their own equipment instead of hiring out each time um, so that would be kind of where we come in and, and help companies. And a lot of this is, is safety stuff mm-hmm. um, because the, the large companies, when they, they have these contracts to meet those qualifications, they're having to, they're having to look to see, you know, who, who gives UAV qualifications. Well, well, the rule just came out like six months ago. <laughs> so right. it's all very new. We're kind of talking about the equipment stuff. Is it better to get off the shelf type of stuff, or is it better to kind of go your route and build your, you know, your X8 crazy, you know, big 17 inch prop, you know, carbon fiber prop drones and stuff like that? You know, where do you where do you see that? Like, is it better going with the customized stuff, or is it better to just go, um, you know, like with a, you know, Inspire, right? That's like a a great, you know, kind of commercial drone, right? Mavericks for video stuff is really good too. Uh, what, what do you say? Absolutely, I've I've seen some really good. I've seen a, a friend of mine has a Mavic, and another friend has an Inspire Two. Both of them are, are actually they're really good products. Uh, they have some good stuff that they put out. I'll say if you want to save your fingertips <laughs> and and you know burn soldering marks and, <laughs> and, and electrocutions and all that. Um, the Inhaling building, magic smoke, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops! Oh crap! Yeah. Having to, you know, uh, you know, going through all the, the battery stuff, that was new too. But um, if you're new to it, I would say buy, you know, you can go ahead and buy something off the shelf that's, it's very user friendly, something you can fly around, something you're going to feel safe with. Um, the, the only issue with buying something off the shelf is that there's not a lot of manufacturers, and, and I hate to say it, but I'm including DJI in this. They don't have um, uh, like their warranties and their servicing. They are available, but they're not available everywhere. So if something breaks or something goes wrong, you're kind of you're kind of stuck. You you can't go down to your local shop and and have them work on your Phantom or your Inspire for you. So so you can't really do anything that way, which is kind of a bummer. But uh, like I said, for for new people that are getting into it, yeah, I, I'd go ahead and buy something off the shelf that that's comfortable. And when you're comfortable, when you kind of see the parts, how they move, how everything gets together, then I'd say, yeah, go for it. Build your own. Um, have fun with it. Yes, you're going to break something. <laughs> so uh, you're, you're going to make some mistakes. But it's a lot of fun to make it. And then I, I tell you what, after you do put it all together and you know how everything works, it does give you an appreciation for for the aircraft itself and for all the parts. And then it, it really makes you think about everything independently the motors the 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 radio frequencies mm-hmm. the batteries it, it really makes you appreciate each portion of the aircraft and and 
a good place to start would be uh, definitely with a, like a flight test electro hub. You could oh, absolutely. put something together real cheap and just you know see if it's for for what you want to do. But Kevin, yeah. I'm saying now I've I've answered that question on on the customer support multiple times. You can get into a Phantom with the controller, the the the, the guidance system, all that stuff for the same or less money than putting together an electro hub with a good GPS, you know, like a Naze, uh, not Naze, uh, the, the NASA or even the Eagle tree vector um, without having to do any of the tuning or any of the configuring or trying to get all the stuff figured out. Um, I mean, if you really, really, really want to build it and that's why you want to do it, then yeah, go with the, that DUI uh, DIY direction, but mm-hmm. if you just want to start flying. I tell people just grab the phantom. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. They did a really good job with that um, uh, that 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 flight test frame. They really did. Uh, if you want to get into something, and like you said, if Fred, if uh, if you wanted to build something, absolutely, it's a lot of fun, and I I would highly recommend it. But Fred, I was thinking, you know, that frame, like I've I've had that, and I've crashed it pretty bad, and I've only broken like the wooden booms, and I'm yeah. back in the air, and it's, you know, it's not, it doesn't have GPS or anything like that on it. But for what I was doing, which was just chasing other planes and doing a little video it was perfect for that and it taught me a lot it taught me about a lot about line of sight flying which i think you need to know it is good learning curve but i I used to get a lot of people asking like basically you know they wanted to build their own phantom uh they thought that do it that way and and it it just now i mean what you're getting now yeah i mean um, think about just the the flight times like the flight flight times we get on our phantoms you know we don't get that with the no. The DIYs, unless you go crazy amount of battery packs, which means bigger motors, bigger, you know, uh, props. Everything has to get bigger to, to support longer flight times to a certain degree, I guess. So, well, remember the kid that worked for Emacs that had the dark, the deep voice? I forget, uh, his name. He, we met him in, in New York, uh, at that Maker Fair. He, uh, he, I remember him telling huh? me that with the Emacs motors and the setup that he had, he was getting like 15, 20 minutes. That was back then. You know, so I know I know it's possible, but yeah. yeah, I know what you're saying, Steve. Like your basic electro hub, you're gonna get like six, seven minutes if you're lucky. If you're lucky, yeah, yeah. Depending on how aggressive you're flying, right? Yeah. So, but you got some beginner coming into it, and they don't know KV versus voltage versus mm-hmm. you know, cell count or anything like yeah. And then they get mad, and they're getting mad at me in customer service because their stuff don't work. I bought it from you; it should just work. No, I told you what to do. <laughs> <laughs> I told you to buy that Phantom already. I can't, I can't wait to do the customer service episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. So, so back on track, Ken, uh, you'd mentioned insurance. What other kind of legal issues mm-hmm. are you looking at in the uh, commercial range? Well, uh, it is a good question. So for us, one of the legal things that we had initially when we were taking care of real estate, we were filming houses. And, and every single time we would go out, we'd be filming a house. The neighbor would come outside and, whether good or bad, would ask us, are you filming my house? Which, of course, we say, well, no, we're not filming your house. We're filming your neighbor's house, but your house is in the shot, you know, for, for most of it. So, and, you know, from a public aspect for filming, uh, for, for privacy, that's really kind of where you start uh, crossing boundaries is what is somebody's basic privacy rights and have you um, have you gone over that? Uh, are you taking film of your house 
or are you running a surveillance operation of your neighbor's backyard pool party? So that that's kind of where they they draw the line. Um, leg, legally, uh, there's you know someone has to prove that you were invading their privacy. Uh, so you're you're basically always open to a privacy suit from just about anybody as as you're filming. Well, uh, and that's because of the way the Florida set up the law. In fact, they got it so that um, if they win the case, they can charge you for even if they can't get damages because there's no way to really you know show ball. I'm owed this much money because he got a picture of me. They can sue you for legal fees, even though they were the one that brought the case up. I guess I should say oops about this time. Because <laughs> I have done that numerous occasions where I'm checking out and seeing what my neighbors are doing. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We, we've all done it. We've all been, you know, it, it wasn't until recently that they even really had a rule about it. Um, but... But yeah, that's that's one thing that a lot of folks that when they first get out and they start flying, that's the first thing they want to do is they want to fly and they want to look at some, somebody else's stuff. <laughs> so whether it's the know. beach or the neighborhood or a golf course or the ocean or whatever it is, that they're always looking at something. And so they're not necessarily uh, doing spying type thing. They're not after the girl or that's the pool. They just want to. That's why you fly with the camera so you can see what you can't see from the ground. Yes. Um, yeah, it's such exactly. a wide shot. Normally, you can't even see any real detail. It was right. hard for me to find a UPS truck when I was 400 feet up in my neighborhood. You know, <laughs> a big brown truck. How am I supposed? To, how did I miss that? <laughs> it's a big brown truck. I sure did. <laughs> it was hard to see. Someone that's starting out new as a commercial pilot, um, or or at least interested in it. Do you have any recommendations for resources they should try to find? Uh, I would say, uh, you know. Definitely go to the FAA's website. Take a look through there. You get accustomed to it because you're going to see it a lot. Um, there's a couple of resources for aviation weather. I would recommend. That's just me personally. I I, I like weather. I would I would always suggest that every pilot knows what's going on around them. Uh -huh. um, there's a few uh, sites. There's a resource for um, the automated side. It's AUVSI. Is, is one site that I'm always on, always looking at their news blog. They they put out a lot of stuff with the automation side of things. Uh, and then SUAS News, um, they're a good site, a good resource for all things uh, unmanned aviation involved, which is good. And they, and that crosses all boundaries. That could be um, helis or, or fixed wing or multi-rotor, so it's, it's all things of, of that nature. Um, nice. Those are some pretty good resources. And always, uh, you know, if you're flying and you want to know the airspace, uh, you know, the the site Know Before You Go, uh, that's that's a good one. Know, know Before You Fly. Uh, and look at your look at your airspace. Sky Vector is a good one. You can tell where you are and tell where your local airspace is because that's the last thing we, we want to do is fly. That might um, be a problem for a local airport. Um the part 107, is there any practice exams you can take? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Um, 3DR has uh, one that's very good. It's just pretty pretty comprehensive. Um, the FAA actually has a couple of practice exams you can go through. Um, nice. They're really good resources. Nice. I'm actually going to um, add a link here uh, that goes to a site that's really good for the resources. Um, yeah, there's plenty of sites that are free. You can go on. Uh, and see the questions and kind of get used to everything before you get in there. Uh, mm -hmm. Absolutely. So I would definitely recommend uh, using those. But yeah, there's, there's awesome. a couple out there. Perfect. Cool. All right. And 
I guess we have one last question here. What's one thing to do or not to do for someone new in a hobby or, or in this industry? <laughs> Is it not new? <laughs> uh, oh, that's a big list. Um, <laughs> you know, they, we'll have it. Um, we have a two person crew. When we fly, we've got one camera operator and then one person who's flying the UAV. And, and we do that, of course, for safety. But uh, a lot of times we'll have the, the, the argument where the camera operator says, yeah, just, just keep going, man. Just keep going. It's great. It looks good. And, and here goes your drone flying off into the distance. <laughs> like, I can't see it anymore. <laughs> I can't see it anymore. Oh, do yeah. you, uh, one, one real quick thing on that note. Do you, um, is it always line of sight for the pilot or is always, it um, FPV2? Okay. No. Um, if we, that. Yeah, it's always line of sight for the pilot. Uh, that's just a safety measure that we have. Uh, I've got the Spectrum DX9, so I've got telemetry data coming in on on the mm-hmm. screen. So I have everything as far as the pilot, what what they need for you know your your battery life and, and altitudes and distance and stuff like that. Okay. And and that's just what the pilot focuses on is the maintaining a safe flight. And then the camera operator maintains that focus on on what to get. So a lot of communication back and forth, but yeah, there's no no FPV for the pilot. Mm. Yeah, cool. I know <laughs> it kind of stinks. <laughs> no, I mean it's it's good for safety, definitely, right? To know where your aircraft is at at all times. But you know, sometimes if you're trying to get a shot, like you're saying, you know, and camera guys like, come on, just go a little bit further out, a little, bake a little to the left, go more. And you're like, well, it's a dot already. I can't see it. It would be cool <laughs> that you could kind of switch over to like, and you know, have, have a spotter, have someone also trying to keep an eye on it, but to be able to, okay, let me throw the goggles on real quick and, and then fly from there. Well, and this thing too is, is there's always the option for waivers. Um, okay. Yeah. That, but you can apply to fly at night. Apply to fly, you know, different different conditions that aren't normally allowed. Now the waiver process is a little bit drawn out still, um, but that is an option for for commercial pilots. Oh, yeah. Okay. Nice. They're they're still they're working on a lot of that, and basically any of the 107 rules of what they say you cannot do, like fly over people or fly at night or fly beyond visual line of sight, you can apply for a waiver for all of those, um, all except carrying packages that's the only one they're not allowing right now and as i'm sure you're probably aware amazon and google are pretty upset about it <laughs> uh, i thought they were just you know holding it aside for those two companies only to use <laughs> <laughs> yeah it seems like it um so what's one thing that you would tell someone not to do um i would say uh don't overextend yourself um mm-hmm. they you know keep safe for sure don't overextend yourself when uh, I, I know in the manned side of things, we have what's called get there itis. And it's where the, the boss says, we got to get this done right now or, or you know, right. fine. And <clears throat> in the manned world, that it always pushes a pilot to do things that they may, may not normally do. And, and that would be one thing I would, I would suggest for new commercial pilots who are on the UAVs where the boss or, or whoever is hiring you has said, I need this shot or i need this particular flight but you have a flight path that is you know really just endangering people or is just not safe that would be where i would i would tell new pilots just don't overextend yourself don't put yourself in a position where you know you're flying unsafely because it's 
it'll be that one time and and something happens that it, you know an accident the thing falls on somebody or a car or a house or something and then and that's a whole issue so yeah i, I would say just just fly safe yeah you don't want to use your insurance even though you have it <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah exactly that's that's you don't want to start calling your insurance company the first month that you, you get it. <laughs> right. Yeah, let's see what your premiums look like next month. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I landed on some lady's Land Rover. What's it going to look like now? Awesome. That's a whole boatload of information. I'm going to have to listen to this podcast to remember because I just was so much stuff. Cool. All right. Let's go to news and announcements. News and announcements. All right. What do you guys got? I have an announcement. Yeah. Freefall RC Podcast will be going to HOD. Nice. What so, does HOD stand for? Um, uh, 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 I was trying to think of something <laughs> funny, but I couldn't. That, it's that's, that's, over. The, that's the heads-up display, right? Heads-up display. <laughs> it's, it's, it's the head-on display. You know, the, the medicine you put on your head. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, Helly's over Delaware. We're going to yeah, be going there. We're going to be actually... Are we recording? Are we doing anything there? I don't know. Are we? I uh, probably yes, not. Bring your mics. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just gonna go and <laughs> chill out. I say, um, bring your mic and a spare mic and your boom because well, we might. I think we should just do something short. Not not a full episode. Not nothing crazy. Maybe like a quick like thirty minute. Hey, you know, let's talk to the local pilots of HOD and just have people come up and and just do kind of quick like. Five minutes, you know, we'll have like a three question, you know, okay. what's your name? What do you fly? How are you enjoying the event kind of deal? And just get everyone's take real quick, just for like half an hour, hour tops. And then we'll go back to hanging out and fly. Um, I think it'd be good to do some this type of uh, promotion for the pilots that are there, the promotion for the event itself and for us. Right. So. OK, that sounds good, dude. Yeah. Cool. I'll think of the questions and we'll. I'll put it on a board or something and be like, here, we're going to ask these three things. Come on up. <laughs> yeah. Cool. All right. Um, HOD. Okay. On, on the commercial drone topic, uh, apparently there was a recent heavy lift quad. So it was this, you know, big, heli- uh, big quadcopter carrying, a, um, you know, expensive camera doing some filming in Toronto. And uh, of course it was the, you know, here's, here's a drone crashing in the city environment. Um, you know, they're unsafe, but fortunately, apparently the, uh, the video feed captured what looked like somebody throwing a rock or a brick or something at the quad that took out a couple of the motors. And so it, it wasn't just a, a accident on the quadcopters part. It was, uh, induced. Yeah. I think it was, uh, they captured the president cause wasn't it him that said it keeps him up at night that these things are flying around. <laughs> so I think it was actual, is it the. Does Canada have presidents, or do they have like what do they have? Or something? Prime minister. Prime minister. <laughs> yeah. The uh, the other thing I saw this week that was kind of interesting. Apparently, the uh, Nistat or whatever you say his name, the guy up in New York, does all the really stupid things with drones. Mm-hmm. You know, using it to tow them around during a snowstorm or, or flying in, in in the city or you know just flying over people. He's been doing a lot of things that you would think would get him at least a hand slap from the FAA. Um, DJI used him as a spokesman for the new Spark quadcopter. Yep. I, really? Yep. Here's a company that's putting in geofencing to keep us from doing stupid things that they're letting him promote. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I mean, that's, that's, yeah. 
that seemed like hypocrisy to me. Um, but you know, he brings in views. He's got a lot of viewers, and and they can't deny that kind of that kind of uh, selling power. So, well, I'm not one of them. I didn't even yeah. know who you were talking about, but I do remember. Was that the guy with the hammock that was flying around? No, that was um that was in another country, and that was actually a a mannequin in the hammock. Oh, okay. I mean, it can't be any crazier than the the heli graphics guys or whatever their name is on YouTube. They they took two like seven hundred helicopters and strung up a girl in the middle and like lifted her up. I'm guessing that wasn't here what? in the states. Yeah, it's like they're like German or something. They're, um, but yeah, I'll, I'll I'll link you guys a video. It's crazy. They basically they like pick up this girl and she's like holding onto a rope with two helicopters, like kind of pulling her up, but also pulling away from each other. So it's kind of creating like a Y and with yeah. a rope. It's freaking yeah, terrible and unsafe <laughs> yeah like I, i'm just waiting for a helicopter crash into you know each other and her you know like that's, that's gonna happen yeah that's not how you pick up girls yeah but that's it for news for me yeah i mean and, and talking about that like so this new dji spark right that's like their new quad i was looking at it because i'm actually interested in buying a mavic but I don't know. I mean, I flew my Phantom like three times, and I'm it's sold. I, I don't want to spend a thousand dollars and fly three times, or and then have to sell it for, you know, half the price to Kevin. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, so I'm thinking like, oh, the Spark seems like a pretty cool little, you know, drone. Like, I don't care that it doesn't fold up like the Mavic. I don't need small portability. You know, that's fine. I, I I'm I I'm in Jersey. I drive everywhere. Everything is in my SUV. So it's like. You know, that and like the little remote be like six hundred and fifty bucks. That's not too bad. Yeah, but I mean, what what is it doing that you're not getting out of something else? Because I'll tell you, the uh, recently, I think we mentioned it in our previous podcast. If you didn't do an update, so they could install even stricter geofencing regulations into your uh-huh. your your, uh, your drone, they would brick your drone. How would they brick your phone, your drone, if you didn't do an update? I don't quite get how that worked. Maybe it, it you know, there was a time limit put in. And if you don't do the updates on time limits, it would shut oh. it down. But yeah, that was that was the big you know stink you know a week or two ago. It's kind of cooled me on wanting to buy any more you know DJI products. So maybe they yeah. saw a sales drop, and that's why they went ahead and had. Yeah, yeah. maybe. That that is the one of the other differences between building your own and and buying one of theirs is, you know, yeah, if you don't get their update, then like Fred said, they'll they'll shut it down. You can't even fly um, until you get that update. Oh, but I bet they do it when in a software, sorry, um, in, in your phone software, because that connects every time. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And it'll, it'll update it and say, yeah, you either need an update or we won't let you fly until you get it. Right. Uh, but at the same time, they also put in uh, geofencing and it'll keep you from flying into, say, like a, you know, uh, an airport area, which which is good. It is a good thing that they have it, uh, but it is a lot of updates. But that is, you have all these grass field airstrips and expired ones that are no longer being used. They're still showing up on the maps as active airports that, right. you know, cancel you from being able to fly potentially. No, yeah. Makes sense. Uh, I want to just give a couple quick shout outs for a news announcement to some uh, fun flies that are happening coming okay. up soon. Cool. Um, the first one is Gregory Sullivan messaged us about a Southern California event. 
It is hosted by the Camillo Flying Circus, Ventura 3D Rip 2017. It's Saturday, July 8th through Sunday the 9th from 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. So this is happening out in Southern California. SoCal. SoCal. Yeah. Uh, pilot's fee is 25 bucks. Raffle on Saturdays. T-shirts available on pre-sale. Saturday, we'll have a pancake and sausage breakfast. Mm. Lunch is 18-hour smoked pulled pork and hot wings. Mm, that sounds good. Ayo. Yeah. For details and field location directions, there's a Heli Free link. Which I'm not going to say because it's too much. Uh, but you can, if you have questions, you can contact Robert Vizzo, R O B E R T V I Z Z O at hotmail.com. And the club site is flycfc.com. Nice. So, yeah. Um, and then we have this is uh, one event that I know Kevin and I are going to be making up to. It is the 15th annual Northeast Model Helicopter Jamboree. It's hosted by the Rochester Aero Modeling Society, Rams. Uh, it is Friday, September 1st, from 8 a.m. to Sunday, September 3rd at 6 p.m. Great night flying. I mean, they have all sorts of awesome stuff. Full concession, noontime demos, raffle prizes, there's free parking, there's fireworks shows. I think that fireworks are on Saturday. Uh, night flying every night. There's 3D and scale. Uh, fun for all ages. Uh, yeah, it's a good time. This is a great event to go to. It's a $25 landing fee. Includes all three days. An awesome fl- um, t-shirt. An event t-shirt they give you. Which uh, last year was a Star, Star Wars uh, theme, which was amazing. And you can register at rcflightdeck.com slash event slash 7631. That's the event ID, 7631. So if you, if you put that in there, you'll get that. So yeah, register. Come up there. You know, we'll be there. Meet Chris Ryber. You know, he's an awesome dude to uh, say hello to. Yep. I was just going to say that. Meet Chris. Meet all, all the fellas we've been all talking about. Chris Diamante. Yeah. Diamante, Old Man 3D. All, all those folks. Great people that go up there. So Ryber. definitely. Hmm? Let me know he's working on a secret project that I'm probably not allowed to share. So I'll just leave that. Ooh. We got a secret see. project. Yeah, I got We got to have some words. I want to. I got to. You gotta hear this. That's not gonna float well <laughs> with Steve. Steve's gonna want to know every time he talks to you. Yes. What's going on with the secret <laughs> project? Uh, and one more fun fly I want to announce real quick. He's probably gonna ask you again before the episode's over. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Okay, so we have the fifth annual RC Heli Nation Fun Fly 2017. It's September 14th to the 17th, and uh. This one I wish I could go to, but it's it's pretty far. It is in Dayton, Oregon. It's September 14th to 17th from 9 to 5 p.m. on uh, the 17th. This is, you know, our, our, our CHN boys, you know, their they're annual fun fly. Uh, they might not be doing a podcast anymore, but they're still doing the fun fly. So definitely go out there, support them if you're in that area. If you're in the Northwest, you, this is like a must. Yeah. I wonder if Dan's going to be there because I know he's been out and about on the scooter, man. Like, I'm sure. I'm sure he, he'll he's go living there. the dream, dude. I wanted to do that when I was 40, and now I'm going to be 50, and I still haven't done that. I know, I know. But I think for one weekend, he can come back and, you know, we yeah. can uh, definitely do this. So um, definitely go check it out. These, these guys are awesome. Um, and you can get to their RC Flight Deck site by going to rcflightdeck.com slash event. Slash six three seven four. 
That's their event ID, 6374. Cool. That's about it for me. All right, so what's next for you, Nahabi? What's next for you, Steve? Since you have nothing written there, I can't wait to hear. <laughs> Take long there's, a reason, there's a reason why there's nothing written there. There's too much to write. Oh. <laughs> so uh, Oxy-3 is almost finished being built, uh, rebuilt, fixed. Gotta get, I'm going to start on the Oxy-2. So that I'm going to actually do an unboxing video. And then I'm thinking of doing a build video, but I'm just not sure how. And that's basically until I'm you know, waiting for my parts for the Goblin to come in. Well, you build it while the camera's rolling. That's usually how you do a build Well, if video. I do time lapse or if I actually do like a speaking one where I'm describing what I'm doing. You know, that oh, kind yeah. Of do that, man. Do like 14 two-hour parts on, on how you yeah. build that. Oh, come on. That's an Oxy. That thing will go the... Get- I mean, <laughs> I know. Look, 20 look minutes, you'll Oxy- be out flying it. <laughs> the Oxy 3, <laughs> the Turek, right? When we did the build day... At Mike's house, like our club president's house, it took us. It took me what, like four hours to build yeah. it. Yeah, You know, so I mean, this one, it's probably gonna be even quicker because it's smaller. It's less things to do. It's it'll be fine. Maybe 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 three hours. So like, I don't know, six thirty minute videos. <laughs> I'll give you a tip, dude. Check and make sure that you get the push rod out of the tail boom. I'm curious to see if this one has a push rod and a tail boom. <laughs> so when I do the unboxing video, I'll definitely uh. Keep a, a mind out for that one. Uh, besides that, get everything fixed. Box up the Phantom 3 that I have. I got to find the original SD card in there and put that back in there and take my 64 out. Um, and then what? box it up and give it to you. <laughs> yeah, dude, you don't have to box it up. Well, I have the box. I might as well put it back in the box so it gets to you safely, right? Okay. I have an extra battery and all that stuff, so you'll get all that. What else? What else? Oh, I got to figure out. I got to box up the Goblin 380 Nightbird, get that shipped out. I th- I'm thinking of just putting it in a big box. It's not that big of a heli. <laughs> so put it in a big box with a lot of foam and, and what, figure uh, it out. Who bought that? What state are they in? Uh, Kentucky. Oh, wow. Yeah. Nice. It's going south. Yeah. Besides that, it's just um, spending a lot of money, get a lot of bags of parts <laughs> to fix it. Cool. All right. Let's see, Kevin. Yeah, I'm gonna finish fixing the Oxy Sport. I should have parts here probably tomorrow, on Wednesday, and I'm gonna get some sleep eventually. Maybe as Fred's describing what he, what's next for him, I'll be sleeping. <laughs> so go ahead, Fred. <laughs> uh, let's see. Next for me in the hobby is I hate all of you guys. Uh, <laughs> <Love what>? you. <laughs> uh, I I want to put FBB in my helicopter. I know I've been talking about it for a while. Um, I got the. Uh, the workshop clean again. <laughs> Do it. Put head and tracking on it too. I need. Well, no, 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 no. <laughs> that would mess you up that, so that much. <laughs> um, but I, I'm thinking about trying to maybe print up a 3D printed uh, mount for the camera that goes onto the helicopter. Okay. So we'll see. Cool. One thing I do recommend is um, put it on like some kind of anti vibration mount. The yeah. Cam, oh. Because you're gonna get crazy jello with a with a helicopter. I've got some of the um, the little I don't, I don't even know what they call it. That looks like a little rubber ball with two flat you know discs mm-hmm. in each. Yep, grommets. Yep. Yeah, they're they're a type of grommet for for anti vibration grommets. Yep. I used earplugs for like two years, man, and I I got yeah. great results. <laughs> yeah, there. I've used I've used earplugs. They worked great. What'd you say, Fred? I said you couldn't hear any of the Jello. No, couldn't <laughs> hear any of it. <laughs> Yeah, let us know how that goes. I'm, I'd be interested and in definitely post some pictures of it. Yeah, man. I haven't cool. seen too much FPV out of a helicopter. 
Yeah, not no. anymore. It used to be big for a while and then faded. So sure. you should. Um, I, I wish. I wish they. So one year at Urcha, the main like the big helicopter event in in, in America, um, Kyle Stacy did a Ooh. with his one competition. Did um <laughs> he basically? I know what you're trying to do. He uh, he he flew his Goblin Seven Hundred like 3D with uh, FPV. So he put on he sat down, put on goggles, and oh, he started 3D smack flying this helicopter all over the place. And and the funny thing is, like you know, I think later on we we're like, oh yeah, you know, we spoke to Kyle and we we're like, so how how was that experience? And he was like, I just like it was all muscle memorization. Like I didn't know where I was or anything. <laughs> He's like, his spotter was just, you know, my spotter was telling me if I was too low or too high, you know, like, that's it. Like, he had no idea what he was doing. I was like, damn. But he might, might as well have been blindfolded. Yeah, yeah, basically. Yeah. <laughs> so, But he's uh, Kyle Stacy. He can do it. Kyle Stacy. Kyle Stacy. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Happy. <laughs> you got your three Kyle Stacy. <laughs> we'll, we'll explain to you later, Ken. Now we're up to five. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what about you, Ken? What what do you got coming on next? Uh, well, uh, so I'm putting together a little project, and, and Fred has seen it before. Uh, it is a uh, a multiplex twin star, uh, fixed wing styrofoam, mm-hmm. uh, and we're trying to put the Pixhawk flight controller in it so we can fly autonomous flights with the uh, the, the twin star. So that's what we're up to. Semi-autonomous. Semi-autonomous. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I got it. So, you know, it'll be a hand toss-up and then get it up to altitude or get it, you know, a little higher up and then put it on its autonomous mode, let it fly around. And if it can do that, then that opens us up to a lot of uh, opportunities with uh, surveying and, and mapping. Yeah, I mean, doesn't the um, the Pixhawk or Pixiehawk or APM do that? Like, can't you – there's like a airplane mode where – it can actually do all of that. I thought it could even take off and land too. Yep, it sure can. It absolutely can. You could absolutely set it up to uh, to do that. Um, they've got some some pretty interesting systems that will actually uh, turn the propeller in reverse as it's coming into land um, to to slow it down when it's when oh. it's it just is really neat. Wow, Jeez. that's crazy. Wow. Yeah, so awesome. it's, it's, it's pretty neat. So that's what I'm up to. Yeah, do a little fixed wing action. Nice. And also sell some planes to Fred, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm gonna have to train Fred for something. I don't, I don't know what. Maybe he'll get a, co- a class or, or maybe <laughs> something. I don't know. Maybe he can teach and me. Entice how- it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, teach me how to make one of these spears correctly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he'll definitely help you. You should come by his workshop and do oh. a build night for sure. Yeah, I just, my arrow, it's working pretty well. I need to bring that by and let you give that a try. Heck yeah. I need to come see Fred's shop. Have y'all seen Fred's shop? Only by pictures and Facebook Live, oh, yeah. My goodness, yeah. It, it, that thing is just stocked full of stuff. Uh-huh. It changed the combination, put an extra lock on the door now. <laughs> <laughs> it's right. It's all right. Like, I mean, it's, it's not like you're never, you're like you're always there, you know? You got your house, which is like, <laughs> you know, uh, a stone throw away, and, <laughs> you know? Ken, Ken will be down the street from my house. And he'll invite me over, and he'll give me 20, 30 minutes to get away. Ah, uh, that's right. Well, thanks for the parts. I get the heads up. <laughs> so I guess uh, let's do a wrap up. Okay. Facebook likes. We are at six hundred and thirty likes. That's plus three this week. And Facebook has graciously given us two names. 
630 likes. Wow, man. I know. I know. That's crazy. It's up there. It's nice. It's It's crazy. Crazy. Yep. All right. Cue the music. All right. We got Afi Malik. And it was our uh, interview from last week. Bert Camerer. Er, er. Awesome. Bert Camerer. <laughs> yes. no, but he said, he said it's pronounced Bert Camerer without the R at the end, right? Like in, in Germany it would be in without Germany. the R. Right. So is that Bert Camerer? Yeah. In German it's pronounced Bert Camerer. <laughs> <laughs> Schnell. <laughs> All right. Um, I really like his pronunciation of Frank Mordieos is uh Yeah, he definitely put a different twist on it. He it, did. It was more uh, I was saying it all day too, man. Oh no, here we go. <laughs> it, he was pre- he was pretty more emphasized on the uh the D. He yeah. was he was saying more more oh man, now I lost it. More D. Not, it wasn't more Dios, it was more uh crap. Alright, move on. <laughs> okay uh facebook comments what do we got well you you took mine i had a comment that people were talking about the uh the fifth annual rchn fun fly yeah uh, and uh i hope all, of, all four of those guys uh you know are, are there and have some fun man you mm-hmm. know i know i know dan's been posting a ton of pictures of him cruising around like i said yeah and um that was my dream when i was 40 i wanted to ride out to las vegas on my scooter and see Dread Zeppelin live, but never happened. But that's okay. It's always your 60s. I'd always do it in my 60s, right? Yeah. <laughs> no. Eh. Well, let's go next year, man. Let's do it. Either way, I've been having fun. Okay. Uh, website comments. I don't know the password for, for the email. <laughs> Steve. Right. I'll oh. get you the password. Uh, let's see here. I'm looking through the email real quick. And that looks like spam and spam. Okay, yeah, it looks like we don't have any website comments. Podbean. Podbean, I saw a little activity. Podbean, we have uh, Mike Welch has been busy this week. He liked episode 78, second annual free fall RC Helifest, and episode 79, legendary Burt Kammerer. And it R-R-E-S-P-S-O-L. Started following us and Frog Dog Films started following us. Nice. Sit. Good boy. Sit. Right. Baby, sit. <laughs> yeah, I just stole that. Sorry. Uh, and we are soon to be sued. <laughs> yeah, that's it, man. And uh, before you even ask, there are no new iTunes reviews. So, Ken, if someone wants to contact you with some questions on the 107 or your your training class or booking you for a, for a job, how would they do that? Um, they can contact me on Facebook. Um, I'm on Facebook there at uh, Kenneth Weeks. Uh, and I'm also – our webpage is CoastalAerobotics.com. And you would just uh, spell it like you say it, all one, one word, Coastal Aerobotics. Uh, we also have a couple other Facebook pages, uh, Offshore Pixie C and Offshore UAS. That's the brand name that we're, we're running under. And uh, there's a lot of neat stuff that we're trying to put out. We're actually uh, doing a bit of a um, remarketing right now. So you're going to see a lot of new changes, new pictures, us teaching, uh, us flying, us doing maintenance, 
Um, so yeah, they can call or email and in any way they want to get a hold of us. Awesome. Cool. So drop us an iTunes review and we'll read the review in the next episode. Email us at free4rc at gmail.com. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash free4rc podcast. Don't forget to check out our webpage, free4rcpodcast.com. Say hi to Chris. Hey, Chris. Hey. Ryber. <laughs> Ryber. <laughs> hi, Chris Nutt, who's not here. Yeah, we didn't mention that. Chris, uh, he had to work today, so he couldn't make it. He, like, ran home, ate dinner, ran right back to the uh, shop. So, Dude, all I got to say it. is 34 freaking hours. <laughs> and you made days, it on the show. And I still made it to the show. <laughs> Damn it. I, I, I'm still sticking to it. Uh, he he just was so opposed to the idea of drones on the podcast, he couldn't show up for that. And I think I'm going to call up and see if there's anything going on after the podcast. Maybe I'll get some more overtime. There you go. There you go. I think I'll drive down to North Carolina and see if Chris is actually working. <laughs> In the bucket truck. <laughs> In the bucket truck, yeah. Bouncing down the turnpike. <laughs> All right. Uh, flight test forums, off the field, audio and video production, other than flight test podcast, free 4 c podcast, sitting next to our friends at the FT Community Cast. Hey, Petrol Mike. Hey, Petrol Mike. <laughs> RC Heli Hangouts forums. Under RC Heli Hangouts, main section, podcast corner. And you'll see us sitting next to the RC Heli Hooligans podcast. Hey, Hooligans. <laughs> threw you right bit. on that one, did I? Huh? He's I threw, like, huh? I threw you on that you one. You lost me at Heli. I wasn't here <laughs> that episode, so I don't know the guys enough to call them by name. <laughs> Uh, thank you, Ken, for making the time and coming on the show. No problem. Great to, great, great to do it. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks to all our listeners. Free our skies, and we'll see you next time. See ya. Take care. Bye. See you, Fred. Bye. See you, guys. Bye, Fred. Hey, Steve. See you, David. <laughs> no, thanks for coming on the show, Ken. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No problem. Thanks a lot. I just checked out your website. What is with that very generic picture of five people sitting around a table looking at one <laughs> MacBook Pro looking laptop? Very uh, generic. I mean, first, <laughs> I'm just like, whoa. We got some stock photos in there. Yeah. Uh, so you, you see the, the first one there, the first picture, that's the X8. And that's that. Yeah, that looks awesome. <laughs> uh, the stock. So. When we teach, we actually teach on a on a uh, like a PowerPoint presentation. So we get in front of a class and we teach, and it's a lot of it is computer based. But uh, I got to be honest, none of us are really good enough looking to put five of us in a picture. <laughs> so, <laughs> <you're> like, oh, <laughs>